Welcome to the Real Life Church podcast channel. My name is Michael Bame. I am the pastor here, and Real Life Church is all about connecting Jesus to real lives. Uh, you can find out more about us at reallifecov.com. Happy 4th of July, everyone. Happy 4th of July. Yeah, yeah, 4th of July. We are celebrating our Declaration of Independence. Did you know that? That's what this is about. It's not just about booze and fireworks. I don't know. I like that too, but still, it's about more than that. It's weird. 1776, July 4th, 1776, uh, the Continental uh, Congress unanimously voted for and signed the Declaration of Independence to be separate, be separated from Britain, Great Britain uh, and the Crown, King George III and Parliament and all of that. That's what we're celebrating. That's why we shoot off fireworks. But what is really going on with this, right? What, what is the issue? What is the thing that caused the colonies to say, we need to be separated from Great Britain? Well, see, they, they were feeling that they were being oppressed. They were feeling like they were being taken captive because this other government was ruling over them. And they felt like they were doing that unfairly. What's one of the famous cries that there was taxation without representation? Didn't they have a great way of talking? I mean, this just flows, right? Taxation without representation. They didn't like that. They had no one representing them in parliament to figure out what would be best for the colonies as they are trying to govern. And so they've, they're fed up. They're fed up. There was a couple battles, and then they decided, you know what? We're done. We're going to make a separation from this. We're no longer going to be ruled by this other government that's oppressing us and trying to make us live a life that isn't the way we want to live it. In fact, uh, one of the famous lines from the Declaration of Independence is this right here. Some of you will know this one. We hold these truths to be self-evident. What are the self-evident truths? Well, here's what they are. That all men are all people, are created equal. That they, these people that are created equal, are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. What are some of those rights? Could you tell me what that is? Well, some of those include this. Life, liberty or freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All men, all people are created equal, and we have these rights to life, freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. Now, let's just stop for a second and think about the British crown. Don't you think that they were pursuing happiness as well? Don't you think they had their own idea of what life and freedom looked like for them? But it came at a cost of oppressing another group of people, didn't it? Now, I'm not trying to throw shade on anything here on our Independence Day, but just reading this, has America had trouble with all people being created equal and, and having the rights to life and freedom and pursuit of happiness. Had some tough times with that, haven't we? Yeah. So here's, here's my thing, is if we step back and look at the big picture, there's something there 
there's something out there that's seeking to influence and deceive people into thinking their pursuit of happiness is the right pursuit. Their pursuit for their happiness is the right one. Even if it comes at a cost of relationships with other people, demeaning other people, oppressing other people, taking them captive, and we're blind to it. We just don't see it because we're so convinced that the pursuit of our own happiness is right. In other words, just like the Great Britain and the American colonies, they can all fall to this place of pursuing happiness for themselves that will come at a cost to other people. And this is not a new problem. This is an old problem. This is a problem uh, that has happened way back, a problem that we still face and deal with it, right? Our own, our own pursuit of our own happiness sometimes makes us into selfish people, self-centered people, or we start becoming envious or jealous of what somebody else has that we don't get to have. And if we had it, that would make us happy. And we start to become greedy in that way or even lusting after it. This is what's happening here. What is behind the scenes that convinces us that our pursuit of our own happiness is right, even if it costs someone else something? What is going on there? Well, God spoke about this back in Genesis chapter 4 when he talked with Cain, of all people. Cain had an issue of uh, not bringing the right offering to God, and his heart wasn't right, and God just wanted to intervene and help him and guide him. And God names the thing, the thing that's behind all of this seeking of our own happiness and convincing us that our happiness is right, even at the cost of other people's happiness. He names it. Genesis chapter 4, verse 7. God speaking to Cain, you will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin. Sin is crouching at the door. He's named it. There's this power that's influencing you. It's called sin. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. Sin wants control of you. But you must subdue sin because, and be its master, be sin's master, because it is wanting to control you, but you need to get control of it. This is the thing that God is identifying that is behind the scenes of everything else in our life, in our, especially in our own pursuit of our own happiness, the way we define what life and freedom would look like. We're all in danger of being controlled by the sin and being subject to it. And, and it's not just us. Let's just continue in the story. Here's a few examples of how this works out for uh, God's people in his story here. Uh, the power of sin uh, produces a person like Lamech, who is a descendant of Cain, that boastfully claims that he's 70 times more violent than Cain. It's just repeating the cycle, making it worse. Abraham and Sarah, some of us know this story. Uh, they, have, they oppress a slave from Egypt, and then their descendants are going to 
end up in Egypt and be enslaved by a king in Egypt. Israel has no king, uh, and that leads them to being ruled over by oppressive kings. And then one day when they get a king, they are going to end up oppressing not only foreign king or foreign kingdoms, but their own people. It's just this vicious cycle that continues to go over and over and over as people are being influenced by this thing called sin and the power of sin to convince us that our own pursuit of our happiness is more important than anybody else around us. Yeah, right? So how do we deal with this? What happens to this? What do we do with this? Who can step in for us to gain some control of this? Because we have a tough time getting control of this power of sin. Sometimes we're blinded to We don't even see that what we're doing is wrong. Do you think the, the Great Britain thought that the way they were going about things was wrong? Not at all. They thought this was the right thing to do. So Jesus actually comes on the scene, and he has a way that he's going to subdue sin. He is a way in which he is going to gain control over this thing. And he sees that, that this is who he is, his very calling. Uh, he is going to quote from a prophet Isaiah, but he's going to do this in the context of Luke chapter 4. He says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. Notice these are all things that the influence of sin over human beings, it does to people. He, it creates a place where these poor are not hearing any good news, that there are people that want to rule over other people, and so they take them captive. They, they don't even see. They're blind to what they're doing is even wrong. To the degree of creating a better life for themselves, they oppress other people. You see that Jesus is going to undo that. He's going to set them free from this. He's going to give them sight to be able to see what they're doing is not right, there's going to be good news for these people who are poor, and they will be able to release those captives, those that are being held captive. How, how does Jesus, how does Jesus subdue sin? How does he subdue sin to set us free? That's the thing that Jesus is going to tell us. There's a, there's a section of scripture in John where Jesus is having this discussion with this group of religious leaders. And he's calling them out on some things, but he's also telling them who he is, that he is one with God the Father. He is this person that is to come into the world to deal with and subdue sin so that, so that we can be set free. And they're just not getting it. They're not making the connection of who Jesus is saying that he is. And so he's going to tell them, here's how you're going to know who I am. You're, here's how you're going to know that I am connected with God the Father and that I am his son, the one sent into the world to deal with and master and subdue sin. John chapter 8, verse 28. So Jesus said, 
when you have lifted up the Son of Man on the cross. Now, I just want to pause there for a second, okay? just want to leave that there because I think we read that and we're like, oh, yeah, we get it. But just, let's just think about this for a second, okay? Jesus is identifying himself as the Son of Man, this human one that is connected with God, who is God here, and he's being lifted up on something onto a cross. Now, in Jesus' day and age, what was a cross? It definitely wasn't a nice decoration we put on our wall. It's not, it wasn't a necklace that they wore uh, around their neck. Right? It, was a, it was a Roman execution device. That's what it was. It, it was a symbol of shame and humiliation and oppression and death and rule by one group of people over another. To keep you in line, we would put some people up on these crosses and you could watch them slowly fade away and die. Who has control? And here's the thing. They're completely convinced this is the right way to do things. In their own life and liberty and pursuit of happiness, this is the right way to go about ruling over people. It comes at a great cost. But did you catch who is lifting this one up on this Roman execution device? He's talking to religious leaders. When you lift up, when you participate with the Roman government to kill me, when you do that, that's the context. Right? When you do that, then you will understand that I am he. I'm the one that is being influenced by the Spirit, by God's very Spirit, the power of the Spirit. And I am doing something that hasn't, excuse me, hasn't been done before. That I am he. I do nothing on my own, but say only what my Father, the Father, taught me. And the one who sent me is with me. He has not deserted me. For I always do what pleases him. What pursuit of happiness is Jesus after here? His own? God the Father's. Right? He's he's pursuing what pleases God the Father. That changes the game. That that in itself is going to start subduing sin and the power of sin. I'm not going to try to do this on my own, in my own interpretation. I am going to listen to the teaching of God my Father, and I'm going to do what is pleasing to Him. Game changer, right? Absolutely. And now it's no longer the power of sin that is directing. It is the power of the Spirit. God's very spirit that is directing Jesus in this way. So Jesus, uh, there's, a, there's a little note here about what happens in verse 30, right? Many who people that heard this in this conversation, well, they, they believed in him, right? They're like convinced, they're like their eyes are open, like, oh my goodness, we understand who he is now, right? They're no longer blind, and what does Jesus say then to these people that after hearing his words, believe in him and are like, I'm, we're going to trust this guy? He says this in verse 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. If you're going to be a disciple, you're learning from someone else, 
And so you be faithful to the teachings that they teach you. And what will happen? Verse 32, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Free from what? The power of sin, right? The power from that influence of sin. Now, just like in the human time of our declaration of independence, there's going to be some wars over this, right? Because both sides are convinced that they're doing the right thing. There's going to be some wars. So there's going to be a battle, but do you know what the truth is? He says, you'll know the truth and the truth set you free. What's the truth? Do you mind if I give you what the truth is? Here's the truth. Here's the truth. Uh, We'll put it up here. Believing in Jesus is a declaration of independence from the power of sin. I'm going to say that again. Believing in Jesus is a declaration of independence from the power of sin. Will there be a struggle? Oh, yeah. Will there be some war? You betcha. All right? Is there going to be some hard ways of trying to live in this new life and this other thing continuing to try to control you and, and, and uh, influence you? You bet. But you know what? Things become more clear because of the teachings of Jesus, because the way in which he has lived his life, the way that we see it and understand it now, that the Apostle Paul helps us to identify those things. He wrote this to a church in Galatia, and he just lays it out. He lays it out nice and clear for us. Galatians 5, 19. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, when you're being influenced by the power of sin, you give in to it, okay? right? When you start pursuing your own happiness, here's what happens. The results are very clear, right? We can see them clearly. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and you know, other things like these, right? The list goes on. Like, do we need to keep telling you? You get it. You get the point. It's very clear. When you are influenced by the power of sin, and you're seeking after your own happiness, and you define it, the results are very clear. This is what we're left with. It's at a cost of other people, and you turn into this type of person. Now, let's be honest, right? I can be honest. I know you can be honest. We've participated in this stuff. We know exactly what this looks like. When we have been influenced by this and we give into it because like, why, that, that seems like the right way to live, right? This will make me happy. It turns you into this person that's going after these types of things. And, and some of these things are, are a little bit hitting more at home than others, right? Probably not a whole lot of people participating in sorcery right now, but that whole lustfulness thing and outbursts of anger and selfishness Selfishness, like, that, that hurt a little too much, right? The way in which I've interacted with people or viewed people or treated people for my own pleasure, pleasing myself, my own happiness, right? Now, he's stated before, and will state again, what this means. If you uh, continue uh, reading on, he says, let me tell you again. As I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not be a part of that. What kingdom will you be a part of? Yeah, the, part, the, uh, uh, the power of, of sin, 
right? You, you can turn into what Great Britain turned into. You could turn into what America might turn into. Okay, they did, right? You, you turn into the kingdom of me, myself and I. It's the pursuit of my own happiness and what brings pleasure to me. And so you can't be a part of that other kingdom, not God's kingdom. But if you're influenced by the power of God's spirit and you're seeking after what pleases God, what's the result? Is, is God an oppressive, self-centered, manipulative getting the, his own way type of being, well, the results of trying to please God are this. You just tell me what this sounds like to you. Verse 22, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those don't seem so bad. I, I think we're probably all like, yeah, that's what I want to do, right? But we get, are in danger of going like, well, I'm going to define what love is. I'm going to define what self-control looks like. I'm going to define peace and patience. I'm going to do that. And rather than the way in which God wants to teach you what his love looks like. In fact, here's, here's a list. I'm going to put this list up. Uh, I created this because it was helpful for me in my brain. Uh, so here's a picture of it. Being influenced by the power of sin or being influenced by the power of God's spirit. You can see the two different sides. And, and you can see right in the middle, this is where we live too often, where there's a war going on in between these two. On a regular basis, are we going to be influenced by the power of sin that's going to be lust or by the power of the spirit and that's going to be love? Jealousy or joy, quarreling or peace, anger or patience, division or kindness, envy or goodness, idolatry or faithfulness, hostility or gentleness, selfishness or self-control. That's the battle, isn't it? But the point is, is that Jesus has given us a way to master and subdue the power of sin in our life. That we don't have to live according to that. We can be influenced by God's spirit, learning God's teaching and what pleases God because of who Jesus is. So how do we do that? How do we engage with that? And this is not a one-and-done type of thing. I just want you to know it's a continual process because it continually, sin continually wants to control you. But here's what Paul says that we do in Galatians 5.24. Those who belong to Christ Jesus, who believe in Jesus and follow his teachings and remain faithful to his teachings, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross, and crucified them there. What Jesus has done when he has been lifted up on this Roman execution device. Our, our engagement with this sinful power, 
power that causes sin and it's the power of sin that results in that list that's nailed to the cross. Those things are what are being seen as shameful and humiliating right, and deserving of death. Jesus has put them there because he sought to please, not himself, but pursue pleasing God the Father. That's, that's what we do. When you believe in who Jesus is, you're committing to a continual process of engaging with the power of the Spirit, knowing that the power of sin has been nailed to the cross and is dead. We need to crucify them, let them die. That's what we are to do if we are to believe in Jesus. Yeah, I just thank you so much for participating that as a group of people uh, going out here now that are no longer going to say, I'm going to be influenced by the power of sin, but I'm going to be uh, seeking after what pleases God through his very spirit. Um, so what do we do? How do we do that? What does it look like here going forward? Well, uh, thankfully, Galatians continues on and tells us, and this is what it says in Galatians 5.25, since we are living by the spirit, right? That's what we've just said. We are living by the spirit. Let us follow the spirit's leading in every part of our life. All of those things, no matter what it is that's going on in our life, all areas of our life, we are going to continually to seek what pleases God our Father and be influenced by His very Spirit to live in that way. That means simply that we are going to be studying Jesus' teachings, His life and His teachings, as well as applying those teachings uh, to our life. And if you don't have a place to get started with that, you're not really sure how to get going here, I'm going to humbly offer to you um, an online Bible study that I have already done. Um, it's called uh, My Dusty Bible, uh, where we dust off our Bibles and we take them open and we look at it. And um, if you have the church app, um, right there in the sermon notes is a link right to the Matthew study that you can go to. Otherwise, you can go to our YouTube channel, find this picture, and there's a whole list of different uh, ones there. You can find the Matthew study that leads us right through um, Matthew. And so that's a, that's a good place to start with his teachings, Jesus' teachings, and how should we go and understand them and look at them. So I, I humbly offer that to you. Otherwise, a good place to start is right from the beginning um, with um, Matthew, the book of Matthew. Open it up Grab a Bible, turn on a Bible, however you do that, and start reading through the Gospel of Matthew and trying to see how Jesus lived his life by God's very Spirit and what was the outcome of that, that he participated in that whole list of love and peace and joy and patience and self-control and just see it with new eyes. So I, I offer that to you and I ask that you'd stand as I send you out here today. Lord Jesus Christ, we go here now being influenced and by the power of your spirit to do what is pleasing, not to ourselves, but what is pleasing to God the Father. We ask that you would continue to teach us what that looks like as we battle the power of sin. Jesus, in your name we pray, amen.
Hey there, hope you enjoyed the sermon today. We love connecting Jesus' life with other people's lives and hope we were able to do that with you today. If you'd like to know more about us here at Real Life Church, please check us out at reallifecov.com. Thanks for listening.